Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Kern. Good morning. Welcome to the program. It's great to be with you today. In the Lenten season, we're called upon to pray and fast and give alms. Today, we're going to dig into a form of prayer that we mentioned a couple days ago. I say we. I'm here with my wife, Carrie. Hi, dear. Hey, Tom. Are you ready to make a living act of examination of conscience? I am. Oh, you are. I love the enthusiasm there. Uh, you mentioned a thorough examination of conscience. I referenced it in my book on confession. And you know what? Let's make it a little more granular and real for folks by doing one together live. And that's what we're going to do today on the program. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. All right. So, Carrie, uh, we're going to talk about the examination of conscience. That's a particular spiritual discipline or spiritual practice. And there are many spiritual practices that you could identify on a list of sort of, like, let's call it foundational things that folks should be doing in their life of prayer. Uh, we, we talk about, for instance, devotions, praying the rosary every day, or going to Mass, at least on Sundays, if not more regularly. Uh, there are uh, spiritual practices like going to adoration. And if you think of going to adoration, then you can also think of, well, practices of meditation or contemplation, sitting in silence. Then there are, are other aspects of the spiritual life that are more, let's call them um, uh, practices associated with time of day. So are you familiar with the idea of a morning offering? I am. Yeah. So morning offering, <laughs> uh, you know, it's something that you do every morning and, and it doesn't have to be a spoken prayer, but it's a prayer where you basically say, God is God and I'm not. Uh, and Lord, I'll, I'll uh, here's my heart's desire. Bless me and uh, and uh, shepherd me, Lord, and I'll follow you. Right. So that's a structure of a, of a morning prayer. Well, the, the type of prayer that is associated with the end of the day is an examination of conscience. And we bumped into that. Uh, praying night prayer with our kids, Compline, in the Liturgy of the Hours, they've built in an examination of conscience. But to just get started, I have to admit, in all of the different kinds of practices that I've just mentioned now, and you could throw in others, reading the Bible, praise and worship, uh, intercessory prayer, uh, you know, things like that. Yes. The particular discipline that is that has never really taken root in my life would be a nightly examination of conscience. I, that's kind of humbling to say out loud. Uh, it's kind of like there are these people who have a podcast where they're always talking about, you know, the rosary and that's their, that's their crusade. And that's their big thing is fostering the rosary. And then come to find out that they don't pray a daily rosary as a family. It's kind of like, you know, there's a little discrepancy there. I, I feel that right now. Here hey, we, that, that's a good confession. That's a good way to start your examine. Just out of the gate, I confess to I you, confess. my brothers and sisters, that I fail to truly examine. And the thing about an examination of conscience is it can take 
two minutes or 20 minutes. I mean, there's a real way for me in which I love to have probing questions asked about my own self because I feel like I'm brutally honest with God in a way that I'm not fully exposed in relationships to others like you, you my me. honey. Okay. Let's kind of put that out there. I'm trying to, I'm, <laughs> was that one of, one of your keys to a good confession? Not be uh, evasive. Yeah. Not hiding in the clear. act of, of <laughs> accusing and revealing. Did they have that conversation yesterday, honey? Yeah, a couple of days ago. I asked you yesterday. Yeah, two days ago. Are you ago. gonna say? Are you exposing me again? I am. No, no, we real. don't need to do that. I can't do that. Anyhow, that's such a good example. <laughs> I think part of why it's so powerful for me is there's a way in which I personally admit my weakness. There's a dying. There's a surrendering. There's an exposing to Lord. I'm weak okay. without you. So just to say. Um, it, when an examination of conscience isn't repenting, but it's not saying I fell short, I repent. But it leads to that. It does lead to that. Yes, it does. Are you going to correct me? Uh, no, no, I'm going to clarify, right? Remember the gift that I offered yesterday yes, on the program? You're the clarifier on the critique. Well, for crit- folks that are listening, they might be thinking, oh, an examination of conscience is simply identifying my sins and asking the Lord for forgiveness, being brutally honest with God. And I would say uh, the word sin doesn't arouse me. It's exposing my heart posture, which I don't want to sound trendy, but just where is my heart bent away from God and towards myself? So it's an attitude. So sometimes, yes, it is sin. And then sometimes it's more this attitude I have towards where does God rank in importance in my life? So it's not always specific things. I, I lied or I took something or I, I gossiped. It's no, how do I allow the Lord into my heart and mind every moment of every day? And how often do I nod? And so it's a little bit different for me, but it obviously leads to the very active sins I've committed. Mm-hmm. So when we say an examination of conscience, when we say, what's our conscience? Our conscience is that I, I'm sorry. I've got to just make the concept clear, dear. You're looking at me. I'm don't giving, get theology. No, don't give me a look like I'm getting a lesson. Getting a I'm lesson. getting a little teaching here, a Tom teaching. It's TT. <laughs> All right. The conscience is the voice of God inside of you. It's that place in your heart where, when you come to a place of decision, or you, over the course of your day have been moving through your day and there are these moments of prompting, how are you relating to them? I just ignore them. I just, <laughs> just... Honey, people are listening. They don't, they don't know you're joking. All right. <laughs> they don't know me by now. I, there's no help. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a place of prompting. And it's like, am I, when I say an examination of consciences is, is identifying those places where in the course of your day, the Lord prompted you and you said, yes, and and you're so you're saying you're moving with God's grace, right? Your your heart posture is I'm open and available and I'm willing to be led and, and the Lord moved in me. And I am so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for your fidelity, that you gave me the grace to say yes. Thank you, Lord. That's part of an examination of conscience. So I don't really do that a lot. I don't do that as a specific, like a discipline. Let me take 15 minutes tonight before I go to bed. And let me examine how my day went. 
Well, us sinner folk, we do it every night because we just are. Do you really? No. Okay. <laughs> There's another thing I need to confess. <laughs> see, see how much we know each other, folks? Just like, laughing because you you do know me, right? Do I examine my mind and heart every night? Okay, go ahead. I, yeah, and I think part of it is that at night, I tend to be really tired. Actually, that's a good point. I do more of an examine in the morning in my prayer time. Honestly, I I feel like I can think clearer. I can remember. And like, maybe that's why I say I don't examine the thoughts and promptings throughout the day because half of them I do forget. So it's more how am I just open to God? I'm not trying to minimize the full act, yeah. but there's a really powerful, freeing, uh, almost exciting way in which when done right, it is a real entering into God's heart. I don't know how to explain it, but. Well, I, I love awesome. what you just said there. That's really powerful. It, it's, it, it speaks to a, a type of intimacy that examination of conscience can bring or what it speaks to, it speaks to this idea that you are in a living union with the Holy Spirit who is at work in your heart, prompting you. And when you are moving with the Holy Spirit in the course of your day, you're following a prompting. And, and, and it can be a subtle nudge or it can be a stronger like push that there is a rejoicing. There's a, wow, I, I feel the Lord. This this is an anointed moment. God is at work here. I love this. Thank you, Lord. And, or, the Lord prompted me and I failed. I, I refused. I just said no. And I, I know that Lent can bring that up for me, especially around um, penance. I, I, again, the mystery of this Lent for me it is something that I should remember because it's something I've experienced in previous Lents where when I have a penance in fasting and uh, you know things that I'm giving up sacrificially, I will flow with it. I will chase after it. I'll beg the Lord for more opportunities to do it. But when it comes as something imposed on me from outside, like for instance, by the liturgical season, I'm not like leaning on the season as a guardrail to say, all right, now I'm going to get the extra bonus help by the church to go do these things. I am struggling day to day. Like yeah. here, I here very concretely here, I've got a cup of coffee in front of me, right? <laughs> this Today I woke up and I said, I am returning to my norm of no sugar in my coffee and no cream, right? I And I, I don't really use cream often at all, but just black coffee which has been for years. Well, for some mysterious reason, our kids- Is it mysterious? It's not that mysterious. Is it truly mysterious? Well, with the kids and you- Me? Sugar in your coffee. And it sounds like Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm sorry. Eve made me take a bite. Milk frother. And, oh, the milk frother. And, and I'm like, oh, Honestly, you don't have cream in your coffee. It's just it's milk. Not, it's just milk. So yeah, you- definitely. Small, I re I just did not buy heavy whip. I'm like, okay, as soon as we're out, we're done. Because if I have it, lead me not into temptation. I just have to avoid those things. Like just don't have ice cream or chocolate or candy in the house if you're trying to give it up. Um, That's really funny though. I, I somewhat know what you're saying, but I also feel like every couple of days I need to remember, okay, what did I give up? What am I doing for Lent? 
what if I, I've agreed to not eat between meals? I've agreed to not eat on Fridays and and Wednesdays. And it's like just little reminders of, oh yeah, I did all this, or I, I had this intention to do all this. And so I guess it's good. We say three weeks to break a habit, three weeks to start a good habit. It's a good thing we have 40 days to figure this out. Well, and maybe that's the insight. The insight is battling against a a fleshly urge that is in us, concupiscence, that urge towards something that is not godly, that uh, the battle itself is part of how the Lord brings about the victory. Like today's reading in the Office of Readings was, it was fascinating. I, I never knew this. Oh, I shouldn't say I never knew this. Like it wasn't in my mind. So in the Liturgy of the Hours, you have this invitatory psalm. And the invitatory psalm says, you know, today listen to the voice of the Lord. Do not grow stubborn as your fathers did in the wilderness when at Meribah and Massah they challenged me and provoked me. And although they had seen all of my works. Now Meribah and Massah were, were the name, the names that were given by God to this place because the uh, Meribah and Massah are two words in, in Hebrew that mean um, uh, what grumbling and um, uh, what's the word uh, provoking, right? It, it's, it's this uh, refusal to follow. And, and, and the Lord names a place <laughs> that, that this is what happens. And then the next scene in the scriptures is the Lord sends, uh, no, Amalek comes and wages war against the Israelites when they're in the desert. And it's only by prayer with their hands raised that they win the battle. But when Moses's hands comes down, Joshua starts losing the battle. And that's like us. If we're praying, we will find God's grace at work and he will bring about a victory over the enemies of our spiritual life. But when we are not praying, when our hands become tired, then we will um we will um uh, we will begin to uh, lose the battle we'll, we'll begin to cede ground to the enemy so it is uh it what you just said is very relevant to the scriptures that yeah you know what we're in the middle of Lent and maybe my battle where you know I've got milk and sugar in my coffee even though I started my day with just black coffee and I eventually yielded to the desires of the flesh terrible sinner that I am it, it it's a humbling humiliating thing that I don't have the character the strength of will in that moment to turn down sugar and milk in my coffee that's a very humbling thing to me I agree it is <laughs> thank you Tara I won't I won't share the things that I failed in well so an examination of conscience is something that we can get better at, but we want to draw upon some aid, some help to be able to do that. So you referenced a couple of days ago on the program, maybe it was late last week, you referenced a, a very thoroughgoing, developed examinations of conscience that was very rigorous, that asked all kinds of questions that exposed areas of fault and failing. Honestly, I just Googled how to make a good confession or examine as a mom and a wife. And 
this is the benefit of social media slash Google slash whatever you're going to look up. I got many, many pages, but the first one was this one. I thought, oh, these are actually really good. This is, whoa, my confession just went from five minutes to 20 minutes, <laughs> which is fine with me. I don't mind being exposed. It's like, like I said, you can be so vulnerable, real with God, it's just you and him. It's actually a great place to do that. I love it. So anyhow, these are some of the questions. Yeah, we're not going to get through all of them. We just don't have time. But it's broken down into your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, and your relationship with your children. And so we'll take a look at these questions. We're going to begin with the questions on your relationship with God. And we'll do that in just a minute. Back with more of the program. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. All right. So, Carrie, examination of conscience. We are going to do this live. We're going to do this live. We're going to take a look at our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, spouses, and our relationship with our children. And this was based on something you got off the internet, which is pretty cool. Can I just clarify? Yes, please. When you say live, are you saying you're going to answer them? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be listening oh. to your answers. Oh. You don't want <laughs> to expose. You didn't know that you were signing up for this, Carrie. Not vulnerability, genuine, real, authentic. To share my whatever's. Okay. All uh, right. If you whisper, people can't hear you anyway, so you're covered. Okay. So uh, let's start. The first question. Have I told God? that I want to love him with my whole heart, mind, and strength. I find the question interesting. Are we going to, we're yeah, going to splice gonna through, We're going to every single word. And okay, that's good. Like I can tell God I love him with my whole heart, strength, mind, but do I? Thank you. It It's not, have I told God that I love him with my whole heart, mind, and strength. It's, have I told God that I want to love him with my whole heart, mind and strength. And that's one of those ideal, it's called the indicative imperative, right? This is getting really interesting. This is so interesting. <laughs> In the scriptures, <laughs> the ideal is that which must be made real. The ideal is that which exists, but in a hidden state within you. It's the Holy Spirit prayer that I rant about yeah. before we pray a rosary. Why do we have to pray five prayers before the rosary? Five prayers after our rosary. And then pray, uh, what is that? Where you tell everyone what you believe? The, the creed. The creed. Why do I have to say the creed? Because I know what I believe. Do we have to just say this all the This is my rant about the rosary. Yeah, so ranting. It was just, it's just, it's kind of an examination <laughs> of conscience. It well, it's that Holy Spirit prayer that we pray. Okay, that we say it out loud so that you can own it, make it your own. Uh, just that oh, when you Holy pray... Spirit. Soul of my soul, Things that are I not... adore you. Enlighten me, guide me, strengthen me, console me. Here we go. Tell me what I should do. It's really hard to pray this when my husband orders. <laughs> I promise to submit myself 
to all that you ask of me, and I accept all that you permit to happen to me. Let's just say sometimes we pray that I'm not in the best mood and I just grit my teeth through part of the prayer. Do you even say it? Sometimes I won't say it. I actually like, like, I like the fact that my kids will, uh, like one of, it, it tends to be when then, when they're in their early teen years, where early to mid teen years, where they will actually stop praying it. They'll stop saying the words. And it's not out of disobedience. It's out of the awareness that, and the, you know, and what we teach them is you're supposed to say what you mean and mean what you say. And so they will hold back from saying it because they're not in that stage of saying, I, I, I want this. I actually don't want that. I like the prayer that says, please help me to submit myself to you. Please help me to love you. Please help me to I say no to, to myself them, right? and say uh, yes to you. And then but when you make this proclamation, I submit my, or I, whatever, it's like hard. So you know that there's that, I think it's Tehar de Chardin. Oh, yeah. It might be Thomas Merton. Yeah, I think it's Tehar de Chardin. <laughs> He's a Jesuit. The other one's a Trappist. Okay. They, uh, in the prayer is something like, Lord, I, um, it, it's not, Lord, I want to do your will or I desire to do your will, but Lord, I want to want to do your will. That's as far as I got. I want to want to want no, to want. No, you can't go back than that. I can. You can't. I do. No, the, logically speaking, you can't go back any further than. That's okay. The Lord knows I'm illogical. <laughs> so my I, my pittance. I, I want to want to do your will. So this is, uh, have I told God that I want to love him with my whole heart? No, I, I, I would be like, am I telling God that I love him with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? And that statement is has far more power to expose the parts of my life where I'm not loving him with my whole heart, mind, and strength. But if my examination of conscience is I want to love him with my whole, you know, with my whole heart, mind, and strength, that that doesn't have the bite of an examination of conscience. It would be rather, Lord, I thank you and I praise you that I am loving you in everything that I say, think, do, and avoid be, uh, as, as a sign of my love for you, total love for you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if I said that out loud, I would say immediately back, that's just not true. I am not doing that. And what would show back up is or are those places in my life that are not acts of total love of the Lord, right? With what's your heart? What's your mind? What's your strength, right? The strength is the hardest one, I think. Do I hold any resentment towards God? I'm just moving you on to the next one. On. Okay. It's like how how long do how long do you want to stay on each one? There's only 58 of them. I but great. It's a great question, folks. Ask it. Do you love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and strength? Wait, what's now? The, we can move. What's on. the question again? I didn't remember. You are in a mood. You are in a mood. I like this. I like playfulness, dear. I don't know. I think you'll get tired of it really quickly. Okay. okay. Next one. Do I hold any resentments toward God? That's actually an interesting question. I have never thought, I've never asked that question before. I'm trying to think what that means for me. Do I hold any resentments towards God? 
I don't think that's an easy question to answer. So I'm moving on. Next one. I stop it. <laughs> so I, what do you think? I'm five. <laughs> I'm thinking on. I'm trying to think. What do I resent in my life? Whom do I resent in my life? Is there anyone in my life towards whom I hold resentment? That's a good question. Now, that's a question more about, you know, like the, the sort of the totality of how, how things live inside of me. Um, I think that, honestly, I don't resent God. I do resent a lot of things that I've done. So the resentment that I have in my life is really almost entirely towards myself. Not I think there are God. I think there are politics that I resent, and there are things about our state, or our country, or certain stands. There's certainly different policies that I resent, but it's for a moral nature because of the immorality of it. So that's not yeah. a bad thing. Okay, next one. <laughs> have I my patient with my spouse? My patient, kind. That's coming. <laughs> Those are the next questions here. Oh, oh, better read ahead in case I towards God. I I'm going to pray about that one. I'm going to ask the Lord, this is what part of what you can do in an, an examination of conscience, is ask the Holy Spirit to unveil to you the places in your life where you hold resentments towards God. Like, for instance, Carrie, we could have a resentment towards God over the number of miscarriages that we've had. We could have a resentment towards God for, uh, like for the fact that I broke my ankle and that I've had these terrible ankle injuries for 50 years in my life. Yeah. I think if there are serious things you've had to undergo, you've lost a child or your spouse has left you or, I mean, just really hard things where, Lord, I entrusted my life to you and this is what you, why did you do this? Why did me? you permit this to happen? Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Hey, just pray that Holy Spirit prayer, right? I'm go. not praying that prayer. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next question. Have I recognized my need for Jesus and his salvation? That one is so easy. Is that scale of one to 10? Yeah, the 10. Because sometimes I live it at like a three. Do you really? Or two. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I love the Lord. He's great. And then like, hey, what do you guys want to do? What's and then the Lord just kind of gets left behind. Yeah. So that sense of, do I recognize my need? Yes, I know I need him, but do I always, is that truly li lived out? Okay, next no, one. No, no, no. This, this is good. It's really good. Have I recognized my need for Jesus and his salvation? Here's what I recognize. There's a dynamic in my life. When things start to go too positively, especially in worldly things, like worldly accomplishments. Oh, I thought success. you were going to say in wifely things. When my wife and I are so like on point, it's 10, 10, 10. <laughs> what are you? I don't know. You're acting so. <laughs> All right. Have I recognized my need for Jesus and his salvation? When I don't, when, when when it when it when I'm tempted to let it float away, and it floats away into I did this, I accomplished this, I'm hot stuff. God humbles me. Okay. I God, I think I'm on a short leash. I like in, that in the plan of God. You're definitely a short le leash with me. I give you about ten feet, maybe twelve. Okay. And it's like I'm on a short leash. <laughs> With God, with humility in my life. And maybe, you know what? That might be the fruit of my own prayer. It might be my fault that uh, the Lord uh, treats me like that, that he loves me enough that he's answered my prayer to say, make me humble. And um, and so- It's actually pretty beautiful how you 
really rely on God. It's I take it for granted, honestly. You take for granted that I rely on God? Yeah, I take for granted that you have deep faith, that your faith is constant, that I can do and be who I am because I know you have us because of your strength in God. And I know that because I can look at other situations of spouses and think, oh, I would see that there's a lack and I think that would be hard for me. Or I would be a lot more like super serious about my faith. But I feel like your seriousness or your constant allows me to have polarity and ease and I just feel free. Er. Okay, so here's the last thing I'll say about this. And it's the paradox that it can sound rather unmanly to go before God and to say, I need help. Help me, save me, save my wife, save my kids, save my family. Oh, Jesus, there's a fire. Um, But (laughs) it is not unmanly. From the outside, it might look that way, but one of the most, uh, let's say, godly, a godly man, one of the things that a godly man does is he comes before God on behalf of his family and cries out from a point of need as a means of providing and protecting and leading his family. So, okay. uh, We're we're walking through some questions that are part of this examination of conscience. And uh, I'm I'm looking at them live. These are, these are, I haven't studied them before. So I'm taking them one at a time with you right now. Have I asked the Holy Spirit to empower me to live the Christian life, to be a proper husband, wife, and parent? Yeah. And when you talk, if you talk a little bit louder, uh, you're kind of turning into whispers sometimes, and it makes it harder to, I think, for folks to listen to. Oh. There you go. That was the Holy Spirit prompting me to say that. Should we repeat the question? Yeah. Not- <laughs> Have I asked the Holy Spirit to empower me to live in the Christian life, to be a proper husband, wife, and parent? Yeah, uh, the answer is every day. Yeah, that one's check the box on that one. I am definitely, yeah, I do that. I do that. Do you do that? No. Really? No, not every day. You need to pray that Holy Spirit prayer. I know. See, I have a lot of problems right now. A lot of issues with the Lord. Uh, no, I don't consciously say, Holy Spirit, come and help me today. But in moments during the day, I say, oh, Lord, please help me with this situation. So, yeah, there's truth. Well, and uh, brothers and sisters, just to understand the way this is grounded in our spiritual life. Remember, God is calling you to a supernatural goal. That's a goal that is beyond your strength. And the only way that you can possibly achieve it is through the power that God provides, the power of God's Holy Spirit. And the power of God's Holy Spirit only comes to your life through your place of need. And so it's call, powerlessness, empowerment. That's the flow of discipleship. And so uh, we have a call, and it's through that cry of desperation, that cry of need, the cry of our poverty, that the power of God enters our lives. That's the Holy Spirit. So that's this is basically laying out the, the, the dynamic of being a disciple. So I, I think that's a, a wonderful fundamental thing to reflect on. I think we should skip to the spouse part. Wait a minute. We, oh, we just like a bunch of church. Financially Do I give money? Do I participate? Do I keep holy, Lord? I've been financially generous to the church and I've, I've participated in parish or religious activities. Okay, so let's, the, the first one, have I, been financially generous to the church. I I would say this. I don't pray a lot about tithing. Like 
Are we tithing? Lord, have I given 10%? Lord, am I, um, uh, you know, are there places you want to have me be a generous steward? I'm much more in the moment. Like we're in a situation and someone has a need and it's like, let's take care of that. Yeah, I think it's an area I need to grow in. I think it's something I seriously need to like focus on for a month. I don't feel like I fully am living out that call. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the honesty around that, Carrie. I think that I mentioned this idea of just being sort of um, spontaneous, sort of on the spot, like, oh, let's give here. Uh, you know, we we will tell stories about you, like paying for someone's groceries or, oh, so-and-so wants to attend this event. Let's just pay for it. Um that's that's like a, a, a or let's let's surprise a family and go shopping for them and, and get them some food um and and you know just sort of lavish upon them an expression of care um uh, in using our our wealth to do that that's all on the one hand on the other hand I think about people who are much more let's say practical uh well planned intentional about their giving and they'll be like clear that, well, at least 10% is going to go to the church. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And they'll set aside a certain amount from the from a check. They will, um, they will uh, what's it called? They will take some time and maybe review with the family. Hey, what are the five places we want to give our tithing to? And... We just don't do that. Um, but I, I, I don't know. That's really worth reflecting on some more. So this this is good. I'm glad we're going through this examination of conscience. Well, we're up against the break. When we come back, we'll continue on. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, here we are. We're doing a, a live examination of conscience, something that you found on the internet. And we're doing it to, to give some examples of how to help you, dear listeners, uh, walk with us in this spiritual practice that, uh, like, if I tried to go through these questions every night, I'd be exhausted. Is it odd that most Protestants don't do this level of examination? Well, it's part of that whole idea of a program of life. Right, that that whole idea that there's a a particular disciplina vitae, a d- discipline of life that is for a disciple, and you know we've already talked about it. It's a daily prayer time. It's there's solitude, a morning offering. Simplicity. There's like the Angelus is a great example, right? You pray that at morning, noon, and night. You're setting apart the day for God. Liturgy, the hours, Mass, Rosary. I I, I would say they have things like a devotional. They don't they call it their like morning devotion. I just remember or some um, reflection just, journal just hanging out. I didn't think this was a big thing they focused on is let me look at the ways in which I'm falling short and sinning. <laughs> oh, yeah. An examination of conscience. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The more that uh, other denomin- uh, other like non-Catholic Christians are discovering the tradition uh, of spiritual writings from the, you know, they're not just reading the Bible and then listening to their preacher, but they're and and reading contemporary Christian writers, but they're looking and exploring at history, they're going to bump up against all kinds of examination of consciences from the great spiritual writers. Like, read the Imitation of Christ. You're going to get hammered on every page. 
you read uh, the introduction to the devout life, St. Francis de Sales, right? The great spiritual works, the uh, spiritual exercises of St. Um, Ignatius Loyola. These things are full of like courageous I think there's so many questions. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and they've been left behind. Maybe there's a renewal or a reawakening, but it just is a different spirituality. I just remember for many years, thinking positively, God is love. I love everyone. Everything's great. And there was just a sense of, well, yeah, I make little sins, but for the most part, I'm not a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that there's a, uh, like asceticism, there's spiritual training. There are disciplines of being a disciple so that I can uncover ways in which I'm not sensitized to the Holy spirit and thought word, deed or omission and exploring how to, go after those ever more closely day to day. Yeah. That's a, that's a Catholic thing. I, well, it's maybe it's Orthodox too. Right. But Anyhow, <laughs> sorry. I, I can so easily say something and then you will a riff on go it. On it for like 20 minutes. Yeah. But that's, that. it's an interesting question. Okay. The last interesting question in this relationship with God is have I participated in parish or religious activities? Well, yeah, I have, but I, I don't really think about it like that. Um, I would say that this question in part is something that is much more connected to our our life 15, 10 or 10 to 20 years ago. There just are fewer activities. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because our, our parish, Father Lewis's parish, St. Mary's, has a ton of activities. And- I think we've been very generous with this definition of we do the podcast. Well, I do the podcast or the radio with you, and I feel like it's a religious activity, but it doesn't support our parish directly. Does that count? Or we have a book club, Bible study at our house. It's not part of the parish, though. Not directly. Yeah. So That's, I guess I don't feel connected to the parish in that direct way. Well, it's a religious activity. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's but, odd. Well, but do you know what's good about it is that as it as it as a question that is part of an examination of conscience, it's asking everyday Catholics, am I living my faith in a way that has a connection to that spiritual home where most Catholic people find their religious life to be nurtured and grow? I guess I don't feel it very nurtured there. Well, you, yeah, but you're different. <laughs> Oh no! What I say different is that, like, well, first of all, you're you're married to me. I don't know quite how to say it that, that simply, but like my day to day stuff is involves God and the Catholic faith. I, yeah, I in a way that a lot of people don't. I think it's great when you see families committed to parish activities, like they're part of the choir, or they're part of the music group, or they're part of the youth group, or they serve on the confirmation team, or they serve on the you know pre council and engaged counter or whatever. All of that stuff. I don't do any of that stuff. So I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying I do other religious things. Right. Well, in I, I mentioned that like 10 or 15 years ago, we were doing all of those things. So it might be age and stage of life too. Like I was, what's your situation? I've never like? been a I've never been like a, a reader. What are they called? A lector. Never been a lector. I would never now do be a Eucharistic minister. Um, I don't know if that, I guess it's a part of it is a call, but 
how much do you expose yourself to being led by the Holy Spirit versus I'm going to do what I think I need to do? Do you remember that? I remember you coming to an insight. This is again, probably 15 years ago, which was, I'm just not at that stage where I can spend a lot of my time serving because I have a whole bunch of little kids at home. And that, right? oh, Alaska, she's outside barking at us. Uh, she's learned how we shut the door when I'm down here doing prayer or, or working or whatever. She can't get in the door because I lock her out. So she somehow gets put out upstairs and then she comes around to the bottom deck and just sits there and barks at me. It's much more effective when I can see her versus when she's crying at the door. I'm a terrible dog owner. Is that on here? How do you treat your pets? <laughs> how do you love your pets? Now see how distracted I am. Um, yeah, there was a time and I really believe when you are when you're the mother of young ones and you're pouring into them, it's it's not a time to be a part of the parish activities or the parish religious life. But once that season has passed and that is my season, then it's how are you helping to grow your parish and your faith community? And so I do feel like this part of my life being with you, Tom, and supporting you and all that you do is probably one of the key ways. But like you said, it's a unique situation. I'm not trying to excuse not helping the parish. Why are we talking about this? Let's move on. It's an examination of conscience, right? That's just, it's just too micromanaged. It's just too detailed. I'm getting uh, caught up in the weeds life. of it all. Okay. I, I like it from the standpoint, as I said, that it's good for a disciple of Jesus, a Catholic Christian to say, it's not going to, you're not going to live the fullness of the life of faith that God has for you. If the, if you're living it all by yourself. I mean, it, are there people out there who belong to a parish and they've just never done any kind of regular volunteer work? There has to be. Oh yeah. Well, no, and I think that 80, is 20 rule, right? This is the question. <laughs> yeah. 80% of the people do 20, no, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's right. So there are a lot of people that just like, Hey, yeah, just go and benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm always from the heart of service. Like what else can I do to help? Yeah. So it's not my area. All right. Let's move on. I want to talk about responsibilities to my spouse. Have I cared for my spouse? Have I been generous with my time? Have I been affectionate and loving? Have I told myself that I love him? Have I paid attention to his concerns and worries and problems? Honey, what do you want? What do you need? What do you want Hurry to start? Up. You got five minutes. Yeah, no kidding, huh? <laughs> I, you know what? I like that question. Have I been concerned about the spiritual well-being of my spouse? And the answer is absolutely, all the time. I love uh, how Lori, one of your previous workers, would always pray for her husband, pray for the ministry, pray for you. She just was always praying for those. And she had a great concern, a great heart for all the issues that surrounded her job. And it was beautiful. It was a witness to me. Wow. I, I Do you remember that? Not necessarily. Oh, she was great. Well, I remember how, yeah, what an incredible gift and super organized. She was so organized and she could speak into my life and say, uh, you can't in your visionary attitude, get all these things done. You have to pick two. So um, I mean, these are great questions about caring for my spouse, generous with my time, affectionate and loving. Um, I, I think those are great questions for reflection. I don't feel, unless you tell me like I'm way off, I, these are things that are major concerns for me. Um, Wait, do you think they're major concerns for me? I didn't say that. I was I was going to let you to, to kind of, you do your own examination of conscience. Do I will do me. I'm Let's checking just move boxes. On. Let's just move on. <laughs> 
<laughs> Scroll. All right. Next page. Okay, next. Have I forgiven my spouse for the wrongs she has committed against me? He or she has committed against me. Oh, oh, have I allowed resentment and bitterness towards my spouse to take root in my mind? Wow. Yeah, those are these are big questions. And um it, that's kind of a that that's a bit of a surprise for an examination of conscience. Um why would they be? I think these are really important. You got to get that stuff out of there right away. You don't let it fester or grow or take hold. I would say this, because when I think about going to confession and think about you're confessing a sin that you've committed and is the sin like resentment or is the sin bitterness or rather is the attitude. Yeah. The attitudes of resentment and bitterness give rise to words or deeds or omissions that are hurtful. Yeah. So I I do think that there's something very powerful there about reflecting on that more fully. All right. Damn, Harry, you, there's you've been so saved. many of them. No, there's like saved. 10 more. And you I'm telling you. You're out of time. When, oh. Sorry. You are out of time, dear. Thank you, Jesus. So, thank you, Jesus. All right. When we come back, well, we can we can stay. We can stay with the with the spouses or we can move on to the kids. We'll decide that in just a minute. Welcome back to the program. So in order to avoid further marriage counseling, we're not going to cover any more of the marriage questions, Carrie. That was a joke. Come on. That was pretty fun. Actually, these questions get pretty intense. Yes. About lies, manipulation, deceits, be sullen, be negative in attitudes. And adultery, pornography, drugs. But you know what? Those are just like, I don't say just, those are like actions and sins. This goes into like attitudes and ways of like looking at your spouse and things you harbor in your heart. It's a much deeper, like much more penetrating examination of conscience than, than I've seen before. Oh, so I'm doing the right kind. That's good to know. I love that. Carrie, please go through these questions regularly, daily. This is a PDF. So if you want to print it and use it, that's awesome. It's lcatholic.org. L is like E-L. E-L, then the word Catholic. Dot org. Yeah. Dot and so it's just a PDF. And I just screenshotted it and grabbed it and just wrote down some nice. notes. Yeah. So this kind of reflective questioning, super, I think it's super helpful um, to to get folks to get, well, in this instance, it's now, you know, for married couples. Let's talk about the parents though. Uh, responsibilities to children. Okay. There are a ton of questions here. Um, Have I cared for the spiritual needs of my children? Have I tried to foster a Christian family where Jesus is Lord? That's a good one. Have I taught my children the gospel and the commandments of God? Have I prayed with them? Let's just start with those four. Yeah. Um, I, well, the answer is I hope so. <laughs> I, But I, I know that there are times when you will say to me, Honey. 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 Well, and, and it's more <laughs> about, it's not, part of it is about what we're doing. But I think more often it's about what we're permitting. Um, I think the, the the fifth one just says, have I been persistent and courageous in training and teaching? And I think that's where I fall short with the commandments, with teaching the gospel, with um Yeah, like it's like we fostering don't, that. I don't know. I think we we do rely um uh, to some extent on um where our, our kids are going to school. Yeah. yeah, on the schools to to bring up areas of teaching. And this is part of the mystery of how our kids spend their time. 
they spend more time at school during their awakening hours than they do with us. I just think it shows the importance of parenting, the real sense of discipleship, and that there should be a plan, there should be intentionality. Um, not saying that we're doing that fully, but it's not. it doesn't just happen. I think that's what's so true. Like even praying every night has to take effort and focus or um, praying in the car. It'll float away. Yeah. The kids don't come running up to us saying, dad, mom, what are we praying? Come on, let's go. What are you doing? (laughs) It says, have I been lazy and apathetic? Have I disciplined them when necessary? Have I, and then it goes into another direction, but I think that those were two I confessed. When I went to confession during this wholehearted conference, I don't think I shared this, but it just was taking forever. There were like two ladies in front of me and it had already been waiting an hour and I got moved around a couple of times during adoration. It was just odd. And and so I'm out, we're out in the foyer. So we're kind of talking and praying at the same time. And I was kind of joking with the gals. And then I said to them, guys, gals, I will be really quick. I promise. And I go in there and I start sharing and confessing and talking to this priest. And he had the most calm and welcoming um, presence that it just made me want to keep talking and talking and sharing and opening up. And like, as I'm sharing stuff, I'm like, Oh, there's some, there's some more things I remembering, or there's more about this. And finally I just stopped my confession. I go, no wonder why there's such a big line out there. You're the easiest, most calm or welcoming person to talk to. And it's that kind of person where you just want to share everything with, and they, listen so well. He just kept smiling and nodding at me. And I, I just got a big kick out of it. I go, there's no hope for this line. It's just going to continue to get longer. He's a great priest. I don't even know who he was, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it's interesting. You can go into confession with the priest and just have it feel very functionary. This felt very um, consoling slash pastoral, pastoral. And um, it was actually really cool. I really loved it. And I could have actually stayed there and talked to him for another good 10 minutes. <laughs> not that not that I had all these horrible sins or anything like that, but it's just you're in this mode of Lord help and I'm just struggling this way and in this area. And, and then he continued or he went on with his sharing and teaching and that went longer than my confession. So I thought, okay, this is why these line, this line isn't moving much, but it was fine. Well, I want to link that to the idea of a good examination of conscience will often set up or dispose a much richer experience of confession. That is so true, Tom. That's why I need a good week to get ready for confession. Yeah. Well, and you said that yesterday or a couple of days ago when we were talking about this, that when you can make the, like, if you, I'm going to say, print this out and keep it near you, like go through it, just take a couple of them. And, and pray, prayerfully reflect on them because um, well-identified questions are pointing to a facet of the ideal. In other words, when this says, have I been affectionate towards my kids? There's some aspect of being a, hus- a father or a mother that involves, that calls for affection from you towards your kids. And so ponder that, think about that, reflect on that. And, and you know what's going to happen? Oh, gee, I'm not naturally affectionate, so I need to stop and work on that. When can I do that? How do I do that? Am I going to take advantage of an opportunity to do that? Right. So again, 
well-asked questions will point towards the ideal that we're called upon to make real. So I, that's what I think I like about these, this like very um, like, uh, robust examination of conscience is that it really is through its questions attempting to like uh, draw attention to different facets of our ideal as, as children of God, as husbands and wives and as mothers and fathers. Yes. And the interesting thing about it, it, don't, it doesn't really follow like the 10 commandments. No, it doesn't. It's, it's very, very different than the way I do it. I, yeah. I, I think about confession in a much more like, it's about confessing my sins. Let me think about my sins and let me then go confess them. Versus this form of examination of conscience is like a whole life examination. What's the whole thrust of my life like? And let me stop and ponder that. This is really, this is really something. It's like, it's making me stop and think, I could benefit from exploring these questions more fully because you know what happens is we just sort of stay, you, sorry, you just stay in your lane. Meaning when we think about uh, like how I'm going to reflect on a particular issue, well, there are these ways that I've reflected on it day to day, or it's been formed in me through the years. And that becomes the way that I reflect on it. And so allowing something like this kind of examination of conscience, even if it's not this one, this kind of examination of conscience, it's going to present questions to you or to me that I don't normally think of in that way. And so it's going to, at least it'll help break me out of my ordinary way of looking at things. So that can be, let's call it just really an unexpected gift, an unexpected gift of this type of examination of conscience that goes beyond a, let's say, a more traditional or customary asking specific questions about specific sins. This really is a deeper dive into like how I relate to things, otherwise known as my attitudes. How am I relating to these different parts of my life or these different people in my life? And even back to consciousness or awareness, how do I see these realities that are, or these people that are in my life? And, and getting back to that level, that can be a, like a source of, of, of conversion, uh, of a change of life, a change of, of approach to life that is, is really what we're called to. And, and not necessarily what's going to happen if we just simply do what we've always done. So, Carrie, thank you so much for bringing this examination of conscience that you use, uh, bringing it out into the open for us to talk about today. I, um, it's the first time I've seen it. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing it. Now I'll use it now too. All right, we are up against the end of our program. Thank you so much. God bless your day.